Well, I want to read a scripture to you. In um, Daniel, we're talking about even if. And basically the premise of this is, no matter what, I'm not bowing. No matter what, I'm not bowing uh, to the world. I'm not bowing to what uh, the enemy wants. I'm going to serve God and see what God has for me. But I have a little bit different direction with this today. But I want to read this uh, beginning in verse 14, Daniel 3, verse 14. And, you know, if you ever went to, to Sunday school or you ever went to church when you were little, you always heard about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, um, they, uh, I, I remember my Sunday school teacher when I did go and have no idea how I even went, really, to be honest, because my parents didn't go to church. But, but I remember that my Sunday school teacher talking about uh, they were thrown in the fiery furnace and they had on asbestos BVDs. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. But I was thinking, how would that, you know, that's not really going to help. But anyway. But let's read this. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? I want you to just remember that word, set up. Okay. Now, if you're ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, or even if... Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the image which you have set up. Now, I want you to listen to this because there are several interpretations of this. Some people read this and they say, if you don't throw, if you throw us in, God's going to deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow to you. But if you really read this in the, in the context of it, what they're saying is if you throw us in, God's going to deliver us. But if you don't throw us in, we're still not going to bow and we're not going to worship your God. So either way you want to look at it, they made up their mind, even if we are not bowing to worship your gods. And so what you need to understand is this, and it's important that you hear this because they're in the midst of this. There are several words that you need to see in verse 14. It says that you, that you do not serve my gods. You Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you life united do not serve the gods of the world. Okay. Okay. You don't serve them. That's what he was trying to get them to do. It was more than just the fact that they were challenging him. They were not serving their gods. Not only did he say that, he said, or worship the golden image which I have set up. He said, you are not serving and you're not worshiping what I want you to worship. Now, it's important that you understand this because these two things are very critical today in our lives as believers. We're in a time right now where we're being challenged. You may not even realize it, but you are. And there are people watching online today that, and don't get upset with me. I'm leaving today. You ought to be sitting here instead of sitting home. Now, I know every person sitting home, they got a reason. Well, my big toe hurts. You know, this is, well, I'm afraid of COVID. Well, fear's going to get you nowhere. 
Now listen to me. We have to make up our minds we're going to serve God. I don't mean token God, serve God. And there's a lot in that, and part of that is church. In fact, a great part of it, because the Bible tells me, listen, that, that God is going to use the church to manifest himself. Ephesians 3.10, God's going to use the church to manifest himself. He's not going to use the internet. He's not going to use Facebook. Well, but, but if everybody sees it on Facebook, hey, you see all kinds of stuff on Facebook. It doesn't, you don't know whether it's true or not. But I tell you, if you're in the midst of something, if you're sitting when the anointing of God's flowing and God's speaking and you're hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit, you know, hey, this is real. But see, you can watch it online or you can see it some other way and you can say, you know what? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. That could be made up. But I want to tell you something. Listen to me. We're called to serve. We're called to serve God. We're called to serve one another. And you don't do that at home in your pajamas. I know you're, I'm preaching to the choir, right? Y'all are here this morning. It's so convenient. But I want to tell you something. Listen, you've got to be careful. And not only that, the other key word here is, uh, and it, it, he said in verse 15, if you don't fall down and worship the image that I've made. Listen to me. Singing is not worship. Good music is not worship. It can sure help. We had it this morning. But what is important is what comes out of your heart. That's what's important. Now, I, I probably shared this before, uh, but, but I had an experience with God a number of years ago back in the 90s, um, and, um, 1994 to be exact. Um, I was sitting in my study getting ready for Sunday morning service. And uh, going over my message, you know, and, and just praying. And, and I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me. And this is what the Lord said. Why don't you give me the service this morning? Whoa. Now, I've been pastoring 15 years at the time. Well, yeah, more than that, really. And I'm thinking, here's what I said to the Lord. Lord, I thought you always had the service. Pretty scary, isn't it, to be a pastor and to be pastor in a church and the Lord saying, uh, can I have the service? And then... It, it was it was really an open vision. I had my eyes open, but I saw myself. Listen, don't ever ask the Lord to show you yourself, because you are not going to like what you see. I don't care how holy you think you are, you are not going to like what you see. And I saw myself back then when I sat on the front row, and I was sitting on the front row, and I was looking at my watch. And my wife at that time was, was leading praise and worship, and, and I was mad at Becky because she dare sing one more song and take away from my preaching time. I'm just being honest with you. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm a word guy. I'm a, pre I'm a preacher. I want to preach. And I mean, I literally saw myself doing that, and I knew I did it. I knew, hey, I was, I was nailed. I knew I did it. And God began to show me the value of worship. Now, now listen to me this morning, okay? I, I know this sounds a little bit off base, but it's not, okay? Because I'm going to tie it up, but just listen. So, I began to realize that I was not a worshiper. And because I had equated worship with singing, you don't want to hear me sing. I, I, I can, I, you know, I can, I, I have a, uh, it's a funny thing. I can hear, I can tell you whether you're off key or not. I, I don't know how, why. I, I can hear it, but I can't do it. 
So I always equated worship with singing. And I realized that's not what God's after at all. John chapter 4 verse 24 says he wants people who will worship in spirit and in truth. He wants people that are going to worship out of their heart. So two things, okay? Two things that that were trying to, to happen here. Number one was the enemy was trying to cut off serving God. Not just saying, I know God. I'm saved, but serving God. And the second thing was worship. Where's your real worship? Where's your true worship? And I want to tell you, at that point in my life, in 1994, I became a worshiper. It changed everything in our church, literally changed everything in our church. We put worship first. Not singing, worship. Now, thank God we, God has created instruments and he has created music so that we can have a, a inspiration for worship. And we should. But you don't worship the singing. You're worshiping, you're worshiping God. So if you see what I'm saying here, that, that those were the two things and that, that they did, and it was a setup. Because if he could get them to serve him, bow down and serve him, and bow down and worship his idols, then he had them. But they said, no, we're not doing it. We're not going to do that. We're not going to let that happen. We're not going to allow that. It, listen, let me, let me read it to you again in, verse, in Daniel 3.18. Listen to what it says. If not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your God, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Now, I don't want to take time to do this morning, but you can go read Daniel chapter 1, I mean uh, chapter 3, where Nebuchadnezzar made the image of gold, and it says that he set it up in the plain of, of David. And then it goes on to say that he told everybody, you have to come and worship the, the, the image which I have set up. And you go read through verse 7, and he says set up in almost every verse. Why? Because it was a setup. And the devil wants to set you up. He wants to set your life up to where you don't have time to worship. You don't have time to serve God. You, you serve God in a, in a, a, now I'm not pointing my finger to anybody because we've all had to challenge. I've already told you my own story, but, but, but we, we, we get in that place where we superficially serve God and, and, and then we kind of live our lives and then we serve God. And we, no, God's calling us today in this hour to serve him all the time. Every day of our lives. To live the life that he has for us every day of our lives. To serve God. And we've got to make up our minds that we're going to do that. Because if you don't, then you're going to get trapped in that circumstance where you're going to, get, where you're going to bow to serve something else. And you get trapped. Now, let me tell you something else about this, all right? There are always going to be accusers when you make up your mind to serve God. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, were not bowing and they weren't willing to do it, the Bible says in verse 8 of Daniel 3 that, that certain Chaldeans came and accused the Jews. There are always accusers out there. And you know, let me tell you what they mostly accuse you of. They accuse you of being a hypocrite. Because they all they want to see is your imperfections. Well, let me just tell you, it's a secret, but I'm going to tell you today, you're not perfect. But you serve a perfect one who can continually cleanse you and sanctify you and separate you when you're willing to allow him to do that. So you're going to always have accusers. They're going to always be those that are out there that 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 live, that want to accuse you. Listen, we live in an accusatory society today. 
Everybody's accusing everybody of all kinds of stuff. You know, just it, it, the cancel culture has, you know, you don't bow to the cancel culture. Just because I hurt your feelings because I said something, I'm not going to not say it. And I mean, if I'm wrong, I would, but I'm talking about anybody can get their feelings hurt. Anybody can have a different view, but that doesn't mean you cut somebody off. That's accusations. That's accusing. We don't live that way. That's not how we live our lives. That's not how we live every day of our lives. <clears throat> we act and react based on information. Sometimes it may not even be accurate. All of a sudden people are going crazy about something and it's not even accurate. And then all of a sudden you find out it is. Well, they're not canceled. Let's cancel them. You know why we're not going to do that? Because that's not who we are. Even if something is accurate, it doesn't mean that it's proper for the believer to respond to it. There are always going to be accusers out there. You better be ready to stand for your faith, what you believe. And you can't allow people to control your life or to control you uh, and uh, to, to the point where they, they tell you, well, you're not really a Christian. Well, wait a minute. You don't even serve God. And you're telling me I'm not a Christian? You've got to be careful because it's not what people say. It's what God says. Because they're going to always be accusers. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had accusers, but they didn't bow. They weren't willing to bow. They weren't willing to bow to that culture. They weren't willing to bow to that king. And even if they were delivered God into the hands of the king, God would deliver them. Any way they went, they weren't bowing. And you've got to make up your mind you're going to have that, that, that attitude in your life. Because I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me. The further we get into, the, into, into this, this next 10 years, the closer we're going to get to you being challenged as a Christian in everything you do. And so you've got to be ready for it. You've got, now I know this sounds, you've got to be ready to lose your job. Are you going to bow so you can keep your job? Or your societal status? You've got to make up your mind that you're going to deal with things God's way. How many of you ever heard of Bob Dylan? Of course, you know, if you're older, you, you, you know you have. But, but anyway... He was he was a rock star in the sixties. He's still around, by the way. And um, he got saved. And a good friend of mine, Mario Murillo, actually led him to the Lord. He got saved, and he got on he got on fire for God. And he said, "You know what?" He said, "I got all these thousands and thousands. If I go to I do a concert, ten thousand people come out." He said, "I'm going to do a concert." You know, this was back in the um, late seventies, I think. Yeah, late seventies, maybe early eighties, something right in there. I'm going to do the concert. And I'm going to tell everybody about Jesus. And he got up there and he started singing these songs. One of them was, I still use it when I'm preaching. Sometimes you got to, you're going to serve somebody. Yeah, you're going to serve somebody. Okay, so he and and so he told him about it. He told him his testimony. People started booing him and walking out of his concert. It literally broke him. He wasn't ready for that. He wasn't ready for those accusers. And now he's. He, I'm not saying he's not saved today, but he he got quiet. You got to be ready. You've got to understand and know that if you're going to live an even if life, that 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 you've got to be ready for it. You've got to say, no, I'm going to serve God. And I'm not going to bow. I'm not going to not talk about Jesus. I'm not going to not tell people what he's done for me just because you say it's not proper. I mean, we have had thousands of men and women who have died as martyrs 
to keep the flow of the gospel going, you got to make up your mind where you stand. It's easy to say this, isn't it? But I'm going to tell you something. It's a whole different ball game. You've got to be ready. You've got to be ready to be a worshiper. You've got to be a, re- a person that's going to serve God. Not, not, not give lip service, but serve God. And not be willing to bow. No, I'm not bowing. I'm going to serve God. As a believer, listen to me. You have to be prepared for any setup that is designed to destroy your relationship with the Father and your ability to serve Him effectively. You've got to be ready. You've got to be, you've got to be ready because I'm going to tell you something. Listen, there will always be opportunities to be set up by the enemy to keep you from fulfilling what God has for your life. Always. I don't care how long you've been serving God. I've been saved since 1974. There are still setups that come to try to keep me from fulfilling what God wants for my life. And it, do, it, it doesn't matter who you are. They're going to be there. And you've got to be ready. You don't want to be blindsided. How do you do that? First of all, you serve God. Second of all, you worship God. That's your life. That's your life blood. Everything else is extraneous to that. It's around you in your life. So what are you going to bow to? Listen, let me just, let me, I'm going to back up here and I'm going to go, go back a little bit and show you this. This has been going on since the beginning. Okay. Nothing new. Do you know that the devil has nothing new? He hadn't invented any new ways, any new things. It's just a reincarnation of something that's already been done. Look at Genesis with me, Genesis chapter 3. Listen to this. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, how many of you know who that is? That's a devil, right? Okay, just so you know. Okay. He may have been in the form of a snake, but it was a devil. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall eat of the tree of the garden. And the woman said to the servant, we eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. How many of you know she added a little bit? She probably told Adam, Adam, God said, don't eat of that tree. So don't you even touch it. And so she added to what God, what God said. The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and gave it to her husband with her and he and the eyes of both of them were opened. It was a setup. It was a setup. None of what the devil was saying was accurate. But see, listen, nothing's changed. It's the same. It's the same old, same old. Right now, listen, we're in a time and you better be ready for it. And you better have a Bible. And you better be ready to read your Bible. Okay, listen to this. The setup was simple. Has God said? Did God really say that? See, there's a challenge. Because I want to tell you, today, we're finding out there's always an alternate interpretation to what God plainly says. 
Well, God didn't really mean that. Well, God, listen, this is a big one today, okay? God loves me. Yes, God loves you, but he don't like the way you're behaving. You are not pleasing to God. Yeah, but God loves me. Listen, God will love you and let you go to hell. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But if you don't accept Jesus and all that comes with accepting Jesus, then you can be loved all the way to hell. Or you can accept that love and serve God. You got it? But see, today people want to alter. Well, okay, so the balancing line is, I know God said, you know, uh, that there are things that we shouldn't be doing. There's lifestyles that we shouldn't be living. There are ways, things that we just shouldn't do. But God loves me, so that makes it okay because he loves me and I can still live like I want to because he loves me. Wrong. That, that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say, and not only did God really say, did God really mean what he said? In fact, it's so powerful that, that God didn't just say they would die. The, the Hebrew text there literally says, in dying... You will die. In other words, there were two deaths. First of all, natural death came into the world because of Adam and Eve's transgression. But something else happened. They lost communion and fellowship with God. Spiritual death became a part of their lives. See, listen. Listen to me carefully. Today, people are wanting to live like they want to live and expect to have spiritual life, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. You don't have the life of God and live like you want to live. You have the life of God and you serve God. Okay? Has God said... Now listen to verse 5 again. Listen to this. God knows, this is the devil talking, that in the day that you eat, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. In other words, look, if you do this, you don't have to do what your God says to do because God's got an ulterior motive. He's trying to hide something from you. He's trying to keep something from you. And it's not really true. Because you're going to be smart as him if you eat of this tree. You're going to be a world-class person. You're going to be a worldly person. You're going to know everything. Listen, we don't need to know everything. You know what we need to know? Listen, Jesus and him crucified. I don't need to know everything. Did this turn into a Presbyterian church since the last time I was here? I, I, wanted, I don't want you to get set up. I don't want you to get in a place where you, you have to bow or you do bow because you value something that's not even important more than something that is. God's not, he doesn't, he didn't have an ulterior motive. He knew it's bad for you to eat of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, why did he put it there? Because man had to make choices. God, listen, we were created in the image of God. We're the only thing ever created in the image of God. And with that came responsibility and with that came choice. With that came choice. So, you have to know, I have to know, 
that God wants us to do what we do, not because, well, if we do this, it's going to be fun or more valuable or I can gain experience or I can do this or that. Listen to me. But God says no. So what's your choice? Well, he loves me. He does. But he also sets before you choices. Life and death, blessing and cursing. You choose. Why? Because we're created in his image. Now let me explain this to you today, okay? Today's society is trying to reinterpret God's word to fit people's lifestyle and to justify their sin and still make them feel good like they're going to heaven. It doesn't work that way, folks. I know this may sound a little harsh, but I don't want you set up. I don't want you set up. I don't want you put in a position where you start thinking that way because it seems logical. Listen, Eve sounded, it sounded logical to her that God had an ulterior motive and didn't want them smart. But that's not the truth at all. He wanted them to make the right choice, listen to me, based on his words. What he said. And that's what God wants for our lives. That's where God wants us to live our lives. And you can't get you can't get caught up trying to reinterpret God's word to fit your lifestyle. You can't do it. You have to bow to his word. You have to bow to what God says and serve him. And you can't serve God and mammon or man. You can't do both. So you've got to make up your mind. And and, and listen, we've kind of had a period of grace, you know, really, you know, for a lot of years where God just overlooks stuff and but I want to tell you something. When Jesus appeared to, the, to Saul on the road to Damascus, he told Saul something. He said, Saul, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. When you know what is right, but you're doing what is wrong. And it, now listen to this. I like the way the Amplified Bible says it. If you continue, it's going to turn out bad. I don't want my life or your life to turn out bad. I've seen too much of it. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of people that I thought were serving God come to find out they had been set up and they weren't even serving God. I don't like it. I don't want to, I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be in a place where I can serve God and live for God. I don't want to try to reinterpret God's word to fit a lifestyle. I don't want to be enlightened contrary to what the word of God says. Why? Cuz it's a setup. It's a setup. It's just a matter of time. Listen to me. It's just a matter of time till the walls come crumbling down. And and if you're not careful, you move into a lifestyle that's totally contrary to what God wants for you. You know, I know young people today. Listen, you're you're here at church today. I hope you're here because you want to be, not because mom or daddy made you come. But even if they did, you need to hear what I'm saying. You can't just think, well, when I get older, I'll, I'll do it. But I'm going to do what I want to do now. That's a setup. That's a setup. Dara's dad went home to be with the Lord a, a while back. Um, he, used to, he used to be my associate many years ago. And uh, I'll never forget, he came to me one day, and he, he just had this really down look, this sad look on his face. And I said, 
you know, I said, Doug, what's, what's the matter? What's going on? He said, I don't have a testimony. And I said, what do you mean you don't have a testimony? He said, well, I've served God my whole life. I never went out to bars or I never did this or I never did that. And everybody's got all that. You've got a testimony and about how God delivered you. And I said, I, I, I said, are you crazy? I said, you have the greatest testimony ever that you have served God your whole life. I would to God that I had done that. Because I know there was a time when I was 12 years old that God spoke to me and I ignored it. I was 27 years old before I... Before I accepted the Lord. What if I had just lived for him my whole life? How much better would it have been? How much greater would it have been? So I just I just gave him a little, a little encouragement. I said, you have the testimony. I, I, I have to say it this way. I'm ashamed of my testimony. You don't have anything to be ashamed of. You understand what I'm saying? Young people, listen to me today. Serving God and living for God is the greatest life there is. There is nothing else out there that even comes close to comparing with living for God and serving God and worshiping God. So, the whole thing was a setup. And you say, well... That was Adam and Eve. Listen, listen to me. Okay, just so you get this, I want you to hear this, okay? The devil has not changed since Adam and Eve. He doesn't have any new tricks. He may use different vehicles today in culture and society, but it's the same old, same old. And if you understand that, you can learn to fight it off. You can learn to deal with it. You can learn to, to judge right from wrong from the Word of God and, and, and deal with it. Temptation's temptation. It's the same. It's there. It's always gonna always the same. Let me show you. First John chapter two. Listen to what John said here in verse 15. Listen. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That means that you value things in the world more than you value the things of God. How do you know? All I have to do is follow you around for a day or two. I can find out real quick what you love. Because it's not about what you say. It's about how you act. Are you going to be perfect at it? No, I'm the only one I know that's made it this far perfect. <laughs> and I just blew it because I lied to you. <laughs> no, we're not perfect. But our, our, our objective is the same as Paul's. I press forward for the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. I want to do better. I want to do more. I haven't attained, but I'm pushing. I want to live for God. I want to see God's working in my life. So listen to what it says. Don't, don't love the world, the things of the world. Because if, if, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Let me tell you one way to find out whether it's the world or not. Um, quit doing it and see what they say to you. Oh, you're making a mistake. Oh, that's bad. Well, that's probably a pretty good reason that it's good. I remember when Becky and I, um, before we got saved, God had supernaturally gotten us back together. Some of you know that testimony, but 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 uh, I remember before we got back together, I had to call her and talk to her about something. And our best friends from high school and college had gotten saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, and and um, so I called uh, Becky to ask her a question about something. I said, "Well, how are Craig and Mary doing?" And she said, you won't believe it. I said, what do you mean? They don't drink anymore. They don't smoke anymore. They don't party anymore. All they do is go to church. And here was my response. Bless their heart. I felt so sad for them. I felt so bad for them. 
That was a good sign they were doing the right thing because I was living for the devil. Y'all still with me? Then guess what? We got saved. We got filled with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden they were doing perfect. They were doing exactly what they're supposed to do. So were we. All right, listen. Listen to what it says in in the next verse, in, in verse 16. All that is in the world, now listen to this, it's important. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Now, Now listen, those are the very same three things that the devil tempted Adam and Eve with. The lust of the flesh, that tree is good to eat. You're missing out on the fruit of a good tree. Lust of the flesh. It looks good. Lust of the eye. It'll make you smart. Pride of life. Same thing. John's writing to the church and he's saying, hey, nothing's changed. Those things will still set you up. Because they are not of the Father, but of the world. They will set you up. So you will bow to something that you have no business bowing to. But here's the key. Listen to this. The world is passing away and the lust of it. But here it is. He who does the will of God abides forever. See, I found the key. To serving God. Here it is. You ready? God, what do you want? What is your will for me? What is your life for me? And the only way you'll know that is by his word. Because his word is his will. So when you make up your mind you're going to live for God, that you're going to serve God, that, listen to me, you ready for this? You're going to do His will. You're going to consciously say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And it never, I don't care how old you are. Listen, I I mean, I'm going to be 74 years old next month. I still say, Lord, what do you want? What is your will? What do you want? Why? Because I found out that that never passes away. All these setups They start falling by the wayside. But serving God, knowing the will of God, living the life God has for you. See, the Bible says that we've been born again, born anew, it says in Ephesians 2.10. And that we've been recreated in Christ Jesus. That we might walk those paths that he has planned for us. That's what I like. Is it easy? No. Is it challenging? Yes. But it's the best life available. Because it leads to eternity. It leads to eternity. Lord, what do you want in my life? Listen, if you can keep yourself in the will of God and resist these areas of setup, you've got a good chance of finishing your race and finishing strong. Even though the enemy will always try to set you up. Always. Always try to set you up. But listen to me. The good news is, there's always a way out. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He had a choice to make. His will, God's will. It was not an easy choice. Because there was pain attached to God's will. But you know what he said? Not my will, but your will be done. God, I want to do what you want. You want. You're my Father. You're my Heavenly Father. I'm going to do what you want because it'll save the world. You may not save the world, but some, you'd be amazed at what you can save and how you can bless and how you can deliver because you do the will of God because God will use you in a great way. But the problem is that we get set up. Let me show you this. I'm just about finished, but listen to this. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is writing to Timothy, who is a pastor. And he's he's talking to Timothy specifically about people who are in opposition to God. Okay? They're in opposition to God. He said, 
you've got to correct them humbly, those that are in opposition to God, because it may be that God will give them repentance so that they may know the truth. Now listen to what verse 26 says. If my, there we go. That they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Now that's a little bit funny the way it says it. It says that if you read that just over the top, it sounds like that the, the devil takes him captive. Now you're going to do the will of the devil. You can't get out of it. That's not true. In fact, that's not, listen to the Amplified Bible. This will help you. That you can escape out of the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him, henceforth to do God's will. The devil does not want you doing God's will. He does not want you serving God. He does not want you worshiping God. He doesn't want that. And the word there, captive, is a very interesting word, okay? The word captive is what the word that we would call, use today as prisoner of war. Prisoner of war. Locked up. Even though you're a child of God, you're locked up. I don't want to live my life that way. I want to live my life for God. I want to serve God. So I'm not bowing. I have, I have, I have slipped. Everybody has, but I tell you what: you better get back on your feet, and you better make up your mind. You're going to fight, and you're going to do what God wants. And you're going to live for God. You're going to serve God, and you're going to worship God. Not just in the bad times, all the time. I wish I had put the, gotten this picture put up on on the screen, and I'm not. I, I, I didn't, and I'm not. And I, I, I'm not going. Not going to do it. But, but uh, some of you probably know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I like to play golf. Okay, I, I enjoy playing golf. And so, you know, I watch golf. And this past spring, there was a golf tournament called the Masters. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say the Masters? Raise your hand. And we'll see. Okay, most of you know. All right, it's a golf tournament. It's it's probably if 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 ever it was the will of God, it's the will of God for me to play Augusta National before I go to heaven. Anyway, uh, a a man from Japan won the Masters this past year. His name was Hideki. Matsuyama, uh, and he won the Masters. Okay, now what I want you to hear is this: when I was at the end of the th- at the end of the Masters, every beautiful grounds, you know, really beautiful place, and and he had won the Masters, and um, uh. They were in the, you know, in there giving him the, it's called the green jacket, giving him his trophy, and they were interviewing him. And everybody left the course. All the people were going home. And his caddy, who was from Japan, walked back on the 18th green. And as the custom is, they took the flag off. They get to keep the flag from the flag stick. And, and so when he stood there for a minute, he turned down the fairway and he bowed like that. He bowed like that. Well, listen. People in America went crazy over that. That he bowed and that honored that place and bowed to that golf course. And so I, I, I just read some things about it. Well, come to find out that in in the Japanese culture, they bow to all kinds of things as a show of respect. And if they do, then maybe it will honor them back. They do it at sport, sporting events. They do it at all kinds. Of, they bow to each other. They do it, and it's a sign of respect. 
but it gets them nowhere. They're bowing to something that doesn't even exist. They're bowing thinking, well, if I bow and I pay enough respect, maybe it'll give back to me. If I bow at the soccer tournament, maybe it will give back to me or the baseball or whatever it may is. They, they do it all the time. But it's worthless. It's worthless. But yet, in America, people went crazy over it. What an honor. Oh, I can't believe you did that. Well, come to find out in Japan, they do it for everything. Wasn't any big deal. People are looking for some kind of honor, some kind of bowing. I've gone to Muslim nations preaching the gospel, and, and um, Muslims, you know, three times a day, they're going to they're gonna bow. Turn toward Mecca and bow. Orthodox Jews. I remember flying to to Israel one time, um, and uh, Sue, you were on that. You were on that plane. What a miserable flight! Uh, that, all of a sudden, we heard this noise and looked up, and there, in the you know where the uh, the stewardess and all you know they're all gathering where the you know the doors are. It's a little open space. And all these Orthodox Jews, they had this big old block on their head. And they're pointing what they think is Jerusalem. And they're bowing and and worshiping. But listen to this. That's not what we bow to. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees. Listen to this. To the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. I bow my knee to the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. I'm ready to bow anytime, any moment, anywhere for Him. To submit to Him in every area of my life. That's where I'm going to bow. I'm not going to let a setup come into my life that causes me to start bowing to something else and ignoring my father that Jesus himself gave me through his own life. So I want to challenge you today. If we're going to bow, let's bow to the right thing. We're going to live. Let's serve God. Let's worship God. Let's make sure we've got that as our focus, as our life. Not as a token. And walk in the will of God. You'd be amazed at what God can do in your life. Would you bow your head with me?